Welcome to Conversations for Course Creators, a podcast for entrepreneurs who share their expertise with the world through courses. We'll deep dive into online course creation and the topics and products related to courses, including books, virtual summits, coaching programs, and a myriad of training tools available to us today. All right, let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Conversations for Course Creators. I'm Lucas Marino, and as always, I will be your host. And today's episode is about, well, it's part four in our um, series on course pricing strategies. So if you haven't heard the first three episodes, um, go check those out. And they're episodes 17, 18, and 19 of the Conversations with Course Creator um, show. And in the first three, we covered what do price and volume have to do with success. We covered should you match your competitor's pricing. And we talked about the final, uh, sorry, the financial value of the learner's new knowledge and skills in action. So we've covered all of those elements of course pricing. And today we're going to talk about one of the single most critical components, and that is the buying behaviors of your ideal learner or whoever your ideal client is. And the buying behaviors of your ideal learner are super important to your pricing strategy for so many different reasons. We'll keep this as simple as possible. The reality is certain markets have certain buyer behaviors and that's just the way it is. And we have a certain amount of control over that, but we don't have full control over that. We are um, susceptible to the psychology of buyers and that psychology is different from community to community. I'll explain a little bit about that. So if you have something like, let's say books, Right. Books have been around for a very, very long time. And because of that, and because the market for books was, and still in some ways is, controlled by traditional publishers, there is kind of a, an expectation of people buying books that books in certain genres of certain lengths by certain authors are going to be priced a certain way. Right. So if you go to Barnes & Noble and you go to buy a the newest fiction hardcover book for a very popular author, you can expect to pay in a range, right? Somewhere between $30 and $60 for that hardcover. Now, we understand that depending on the the size of the book and how popular the author is, that price is going to be a little different than someone who publishes a shorter hardcover book that maybe doesn't have quite the level of popularity as like the number one seller in that genre. And so there's a range, we have to consider a range, but buyers, our psychology is that when we walk into that store or when we go onto the web and we look for that particular product, we have an expectation for price. And we have a certain behavior as far as purchasing from that particular um, author in that particular format. So. Some people like James Patterson or Stephen King or, uh, you know, name your Colleen Hoover, any, name any of your, your, your more popular authors today and say, all right, well, they put out a book, uh, every, you know, their, their loyal following is going to buy that book and they're most likely going to release that book in hardback or hardcover first and they can count on a certain segment of their following 
buying that hardcover book. They buy them every time that author releases a new book. That's part of the psychology for their pricing and their volume of how many books they're going to publish and where they're going to put them and how they're going to release it and what the marketing campaign is going to look like. All of that is uh, has has the buying behavior and psychology of the buyer, uh, you know, built into it. Um, and it's no different with courses. So if you're selling courses to a particular genre of of learners, a particular discipline, uh, engineers or other authors or uh, let's say uh, small businesses, entrepreneurs or business to business, each of those different types of of markets and buyers presents a unique um, behavior and psychology. And so even though there's a lot of generalities involved, you know, people typically spend X on a course for themselves versus a business spending X on um, courses for their employees. Like there's a difference between selling B2B and B2C and whether those people are buying them for certain reasons. Um, you have to kind of calculate all of that, but you also have to just be aware of like certain groups of people just spend money differently than other groups of people. So I was a, you know, and still am an engineer and I was selling courses for the first two years of, of my business strictly to engineers and their engineering applications and engineering management type courses. And engineers can be very critical buyers and they can be critical learners because oftentimes what they're learning is is not necessarily going to provide them with direct value, but it provides direct value to their employer. So who's really buying the course? Maybe their employer is. And so the employer might have a different approach to buying than say the individual. And my expectations in that, in that case should be that I either market to one or market to both and be aware of how to price and talk about that product depending on which route I'm going. So in B2B, I'm looking more for volume, right? Because most businesses don't buy a course for one person in one instance. Most businesses are looking to get a group of people trained, uh, which is different than individual buyers. So the psychology is a little different. And so is the price point. You know, usually I offer a volume discount on on bulk orders of things. And so there's that consideration. I almost have never had that conversation with an individual, right? So who exactly is buying from you is really going to matter about how you present your price and how you're going to package your offer. And let's say you work in a field where it is predominantly individuals buying your courses. And let's say you have already very clearly identified who those ideal learners are. And it's also the person, or sorry, the person buying the course is also the person attending the course. That's probably going to cover the vast, uh, you know, uh, majority of the people listening to this are, are selling courses to individuals and that will be purchased by that individual. So you know that ideal learner front to back. You know them very well. You've, you've, basically developed products specifically for those people. So you know them well enough, or at least uh, you've done enough research to determine what type of buyer they are and, and what type of market exists to serve them. And so you know what their expectations are to a certain degree. And you can, you can always uh, poll or survey uh, segments of that population or that community to, to, to find out a little bit more if you're not quite dialed in yet. But the moral of the story here is you have to kind of 
you have to consider those expectations and those perceived behaviors and values in in your pricing strategy. So if you're selling courses that have very high value to individuals because it changes something very impactful or uh, something that really has a strong effect on their life, that is a that is a part of the market research that you're going to do. You're going to say, well, what does this market look like? You know, what are these value points for these people? And and not what are my competitors pricing? That's a different question. We covered that in episode two of this series. But what do my what do my ideal learners want to spend on this? What do they normally spend on this? And not just because it's my competitor's price or a competitor or a group of competitors' prices, but because this is what they expect, these people expect to do and what they want to spend. So it's it's a it can be a little tricky, but you know these people better than most other people do, and you understand their buying behaviors a little bit more than most people would, would think to to consider. So use that, right? So as an engineer, I knew engineers are pessimistic buyers. Now it's not a negative thing. They're just very critical. They're analytical thinkers and they're only going to buy what, you know, usually what's necessary because this is more work related than it is personal. And so I knew I had to be very careful about how I, how I presented my materials to my prospective audience. And I had to understand that they're probably going to spend quite a bit on a quality course because that's what predominates um, or that's what's 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 dominant in the engineering community is usually very, you know, it's, it's usually decent quality or high quality training. There's not too many like low quality entrance level training offers for engineering. Most of them are university level or uh, individuals who are experts and and consultants that have many many years in the field and they are presenting valuable topics to to these people so you have to you have to consider that they're going to be critical thinkers they're going to be looking for uh, a lot of detail they're going to want to know a lot before they buy but they're willing to pay a good price for what they what they purchase because they don't purchase often and what they do purchase they view as having quality Right. So that's kind of the behavior of those of those communities. Now, I would sell courses uh, mostly self-paced with like a live Q&A component for anywhere from three hundred and fifty to a thousand dollars and never think twice about that price, because that was a normal purchase price for that community in in that uh, in that genre of 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 things, right? In, in, in the, in the purchase of engineering courses and in that discipline. So it, it wasn't abnormal for me to charge those rates for that. Now to some people on the outside, that would seem like not enough, right? They'd say, well, man, I don't, I charge way more than that for my courses. And it's like, okay, absolutely. But your, your community is probably used to spending more than that on those types of courses and the value that they perceive from that course is equal to or greater than the price they pay, right? When it's properly priced. And so it's it's also impactful to that individual at that value, not just their employer. There's a big, big, big point of that, right? And the the other piece of this uh, that that sits in there is that when you have a very critical pessimistic buyer, 
they tend to be a little bit more sensitive to price. Now, when I work with people in the business community, they tend to be much uh, less critical of, of pricing and much less um, critical of details up front. Like they, they're more willing to purchase without spending days analyzing whether it's going to be a good investment or not, <laughs> it's a, which, is, which is absolutely a strength in my opinion. As a buyer, I do the same thing. As long as I can see very clearly that the quality is there and that the value is present, I'd rather not spend two or three days assessing whether I'm going to buy something. I'd rather just buy it and, and hurry up and get to work and start the process of extracting value from that experience. So that's a little different than someone who's, who's going to take a week, a month, a year to really think long and hard and do all kinds of research and all these things to be to be a buyer, right? It's a, it's a different story. Now, in, in regard to whether these types of buyers are better or worse for you as a business person, only you can answer that question. But you've pretty much, con- you've, I don't want to say you've, you've made your bed by choosing this community, but you kind of have, right? So when you choose to serve a certain group of people, you choose to adopt their behaviors. <laughs> Whether they're your behaviors or not, you have chosen to adopt their behaviors as a consideration in your marketing strategies, your pricing strategies, your product development, all of that. You are catering to the buyer. You're, you're catering to the learner. That is what you're doing. You have chosen them and now you have to um, work with that, right? You have to work with that and, and keep it as a key component in your business. So when you start looking at, are they, are they quick buyers? Are they, are they people that spend quite a bit of time doing research and, and really diving into a lot of detail and needing to know a lot of information before they're willing to consider purchase? Or are these more opportunistic buyers, people that are maybe your course is priced in like a commodity purchase area for a certain community and they just buy things that are under a hundred dollars all day long. Like it's just, people just love to collect these types of courses. Of course, that doesn't mean that they're not valuable and that they're not using them, but I've bought courses for $90, $150 that I couldn't wait to get my hands on. Right. But those are more commodity priced courses, which goes to our episode one, which was about um, price and volume and the success of selling based on price and volume. That's episode 17 of the, C- of, the, uh, of the podcast, but it's the first part of this series, um, Course Pricing Strategies Part 1, what do volume and price have to do with success? Or price and volume have to do with success? When you start to put that together with Part 4 here, the buying behaviors, you'll realize like, okay, some of these communities are overrun with commodity price courses and others have no commodity price courses. And in a situation where none exist, there are no courses under $100, you have you have some challenges. And I'm just using the $100 marker as a as an example of a commodity price. It could be $40 in one community, it could be under $100 in another community. Again, specific to that community of learners and buyers. So, if we look at something like um uh, under a hundred dollars being a commodity price, and there are there's a huge gap in that market for commodity price courses. You may have to do some convincing that it's worth the purchase because people will wonder what's wrong with it. 
why is this uh, so cheap? Everything else is so expensive, right? And in the inverse is like, if you're in a market that's flooded with commodity price courses, you may have to justify higher prices than most people. Um, and that's not, a, again, it's not competing against a, com a competitor for price. It's convincing your buyer that there's nothing wrong with your product based on the fact that they're used to seeing something different. And there's a, it's a totally different consideration. So it shouldn't like become the leading thing that drives your course pricing, but it is definitely one of the more significant elements of course pricing is the behaviors of your ideal learner. So I guess to, to take some action on this, to step back a little bit and say, okay, how do I put this into, into practice for myself and for my business? I would say just be aware of buyer psychology specific to your ideal learner. What are they used to seeing? What do they expect? What do they need? What are they used to doing? How are you different from what they expect, see, and need? How are you alike? Those things, right? How, how similar are you to them uh, in those regards? Do they need a lot of education about you and your offer? Or do they prefer less? Do they kind of need what you have in a unique way so that you can um, you can consider that in your pricing strategy because if you're such a unique offer but they're very aware of you and they see high value in you that's a high value proposition right you would be you would be able to price a little bit more because of that um, and so you just kind of have to kind of think about these things all right let me give you an example of how this has worked with some of my clients so I've had clients in all different areas and in some of those areas uh, they're in markets flooded with commodity pricing or they're flooded with courses. Let's just put it that way. And I'll say, okay, you know who you're selling to. You've got a very strong market, uh, but it's a big market. It's rich. It's It's got plenty of content in it. So you do have quite a bit of competition, but you also have um, quite a bit of people interested specifically in you, which is, that's it, right? That's fantastic. Um, how do you serve that person uh, with quality and also with an appropriate price? And so what I would what I would say is like you want to meet the person, the buyer, somewhere that works for both of you. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to, again, be the most competitive price. Uh, you want to be the most competitive on quality. And that gives you the ability to have flexibility with your pricing. You want to be the person that these people want to buy from. And that's part of that buyer psychology and buyer behavior. People are more willing to spend uh, well, let's put it this way. They're usually less sensitive to price and cost because it is a cost to them. They're usually less sensitive to, to your pricing when you're the person they want to work with. So to me, the best strategy for pricing yourself the way you want to be priced in a market that's full of com competition is to make yourself, by all means, the person they're going to buy from. Okay, let's think back on our example of books. Right, so there's tons of authors and there are tons of books. And again, when Stephen King puts that book out, I'm gonna buy Stephen King's book. I wanna buy a book from Stephen King, right? And his, his competitors, the other authors in his genre, they're not him. And that doesn't mean that they're not great authors or they don't produce great books, but I'm specifically making that purchase based on the fact that I have high levels of confidence that I'm gonna enjoy the book because I've high, 
high uh, uh, expectations that have always been met with his books. And I'm good with that, right? So the, the price is just like a, a, a go, no go for me um, based on like the format of the book, right? Am I gonna buy this in ebook, paperback or hardback? That's really the conversation I'm having with myself. I'm not like, oh, should I buy Stephen King or Dean Koontz or whoever, right? I'm not, you know, or Peter Straub. I'm not having that conversation. I'm specifically looking at Stephen King and buying a thing in his category, an option, a format in his category for that same product. That is different than competing with other people. I'm, I'm competing with his own prices of his product in different formats. That's a great position to be in. Okay, so in other words, you might have a course that's online, strictly self-paced, but you have a live Q&A option for a little bit more money. And now I'm like, I'm definitely buying your course. I just don't know which format I want to buy it in, right? I don't know if I want to buy the uh, the mini courses one at a time, or do I want to buy the whole bundle, or do I want the whole bundle and the live Q&As? I'm going to have to consider that. That is great because basically they're just considering which of your products they want to buy rather than do I want to buy your product over someone else's? And so that's kind of the, the thing you got to consider is, can you create this, this, uh, this, I want to say loyal learner type behavior. And if you can, it provides you a lot more freedom with pricing and offers because you're not necessarily worried about competing with everyone else. You're just worried about making sure you can provide something that's appropriate for your ideal learner and their expectations for you and your product. So hopefully this helps you guys. Um, this is something that I'm really big on. I have my prices set the way I like them and that my learners are comfortable with. And I don't worry about whether the, the person next to me is charging three, four times what I'm charging or three or four times less than I'm charging. I don't necessarily lead, lead my pricing strategy with that thinking. I'm more worried about serving my clients, serving my learners, serving them in a way that helps them first and is good for me as well. So use that um, and try and get as much of an understanding of the buying psychology and buying behaviors of your learners as possible and make that one of the lead things you consider in your pricing strategy. All right, guys, up against the stop point here for this episode, I wanna encourage you to go check out uh, merinotraining.com and uh, and if you're interested in diving more into into pricing strategies, keep your eyes peeled. I got some stuff coming out here in the next couple months that are specific to course pricing. And I also talk about this stuff in my Build Your Online course program. So hope to see you guys there. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Check us out here on future episodes, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Conversations for Course Creators. Please check out merinotraining.com to learn more about my private Slack community and the many ways I serve course creators. Be safe out there. I'll see you in the next episode.